You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon, a fantasy football podcast, part of the Fake Team Podcast Network or channel, either one. I am your humble host, the consummate professional and best friends with the Oracle, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by only one of the guys. It is El Sabatura, uh, ring bearer Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick's wedding, and the working girl, Jordan Smith. Jordan, how are you doing today? Oh, doing excellent. Oh, doing simply fantastic. Uh, I, I, I don't know in the three years of this podcast, this feels like the first time that's ever just been the two of us. I know I, I'm a little nervous. I honestly, I don't know what to do. <laughs> I know it's very different when you're the only person who can respond to me. You, you have so, to be constantly ready for whatever weird tangents I go on. Quick question. I see some lights in that doorway, not to, you know, peek around your entire house. I see some lights in that doorway. Are those Christmas decorations already? They are. So we got we set them up for our Halloween party to add a little bit of lighting. And then we decided to keep them because we like them. But uh, I've Becca and I have been having this internal struggle for a while now because she is a very big fan of the Christmas holiday and basically jumping straight to Christmas decorations and celebrating, where I feel like Thanksgiving needs to have its rightful time on the throne. Um, she claims that there's no good Thanksgiving music and there's no really good Thanksgiving decorations. And that is why that it should be completely ignored and, and rejected. Whereas I say, you know, there's give me a give me a hand painted turkey and some pumpkins, I guess, is a double usage for Thanksgiving. I don't know. The music pumpkin she's kind of pumpkin pie. There you go. Good pies. So, yeah, so we've kept them up. It's she is Becca is fully and we got our first like snowfall today. So Becca's like fully vibing the Christmas spirit in the first few days of November. See, when there's snow on the ground, then I can understand, but I'm really like anti once the calendar flips to November one, I'm like, let's, let's get Thanksgiving a try, you know, let's Let's give it it the time and respect it deserves. Exactly. It's a top two uh, food holiday. Hell yeah. So I'm, I'm all in on Thanksgiving and I get excited for it, but you know what, if it if it's snowing outside and like the weather is determining the aesthetic, then you know what, maybe throw some some Christmas decor up, play a little boys to men Christmas album. <laughs> Plus Christmas lights, I will say, I to their credit, Christmas lights are just a very good like lighting mechanism to just, you know, they add a little bit of fun and cheer to whatever environment they're thrown into. So like we just have them over our door our doorway that then links onto our uh the mantle that we have all the TV and stuff, all electronics on. And it's like, it just adds a little nice vibe. It makes it a little kind of comfy, cozy. You can turn all the lights off, but still have like some lights to illuminate the room. So 
even if it's not specifically the Christmas holidays or a Christmas celebration, I feel like it's okay to have Christmas lights up. I don't feel like that's necessarily like locking you into Christmas, uh, Christmas decor up early. Yeah, you just have to keep them up all year long. Uh, <laughs> keep the stockings up. Just, yep. Yep. Just we, to make this sure. Is a Christmas household. <laughs> Which is very true on Becca's side. My side, it's I am a Thanksgiving household. Thanksgiving is the best holiday. Uh, she also has a point there. There is not a Thanksgiving song that I can actually no. think of. If, if any of the listeners have a Thanksgiving song that's like, actually a song not something that you sang at like a thanksgiving <laughs> elementary school recital let us know because us... i'm interested in this the closest thing i've come up to is the is the turkey song that linda belcher sings in bob's burger bob's burgers is the closest thanksgiving song that i've ever heard which is yeah, uh, i can't say i'm familiar <laughs> basically it's like it's oh god what is it now I'm under pressure and I can't remember. I've been singing it all all week just to kind of annoy Becca and to tell her that there is a good Thanksgiving song. All I know is that it ends with kill the turkey, which I feel like <laughs> is very apt. <laughs> oh, so anyways. So yeah. So we'll we'll have a poll on Twitter to see whether or not we are majority listened to by Christmas supporters or Thanksgiving supporters. This is a dividing line amongst people. You're either yeah, one it's or the a, other. It's a binary. Yeah. You can't be both. You can't be both. It's a miracle that my marriage is uh, lasting as long as it is. Uh, All right. We got actual football to get to, (laughs) per usual. We got week 10 tidbits to tack. uh, And then we're going to talk about some players that you can give up on and, and maybe not keep waiting for their breakout to occur. And then obviously week 11 waiver wire ads. But to start, as we always do, because we are a fun, positive podcast and we like to reward those who had good days Week 10 fantasy MVP, Jordan, who is your winner for this week? Uh, it kind of feels like a cop-out, but I have to give it to my man, Lamarvelous Jackson, because he not only dominated and was the top quarterback scorer this, um, this week, but he had more passing touchdowns than he did incompletions, which is Ooh. a pretty good thing to have. Uh, perfect passer rating. 223 yards through the air, another 65 on the ground. Yes, it was against the lowly Cincinnati Bengals, but who cares? You don't care. This is a a fantasy uh, coup that you need. You need all those points. Uh, And if you played Mark Andrews, you stuck it out with him. You you doubled up on the fun. So it, it was awesome watching him be a virtual video game character out there. It was great. He's been, I mean, for anyone who's listened to this pod, we, they know, and we all know that he has been, he's basically running away with the fantasy MVP award on this show. I mean, he's been nominated most every single week that he's played in, but I think now he's starting to make serious headway in the actual NFL MVP race, because outside of Russell Wilson and Christian McCaffrey, like who else is there, I think that's, those are the top three, Russell Wilson, Christian McCaffrey and Lamar Jackson, who are all battling it out. And Christian McCaffrey, you know, could, yeah, he's been used at just an extreme level that eventually his body's probably going to tire it a little bit. And Russell Wilson's right now taking on the, uh, the best, one of the top defenses in the NFL in the 49ers. So we'll see how he does against that. Lamar Jackson has just looked like a human cheat code this entire season. And and for every worry that people had about him not being able to like throw the football or take that next step, like he has just looked 
exceptional and looks like someone who's basically going to make all other 31 teams regret that they did not take him. Yeah, over the course of the next few games here, he does have some pretty tough defenses to go up against the kind of uh, San Francisco and Buffalo in back-to-back weeks, but Buffalo may be slowing down a little bit. Um, I wish I could definitively say from a personal standpoint that Lamar Jackson is just a straight-up league winner, Uh, like in the vein of, uh, I don't know, Priest Holmes or Sean Alexander back in the day, but I have Lamar in three leagues, and I actually ended up losing one <laughs> one of those leagues. Jordan, uh, Jordan, that's not good. It's still on the fence right now. But that is a he, sign of poor poor roster construction. He's having. Hey, you know what? I had like a. <laughs> this is a nobody hears about your fantasy football team segment. Uh, I just a dud from David Johnson. Adam Thielen was out. Chris Godwin was not not doing anything in his his bag yet so it's just it's been a it's been one of those for that redraft league but you know is what it is lamar jackson lamar jackson oh yeah hands down i'm now looking at his stats too if you took his like rushing stats and just made him a running like if you erased all of his passing he'd probably be a top five fantasy running back like his rushing numbers are crazy he's had three games of over 110 yards he's scored what one two three four five six Six touchdowns on the ground. According to ESPN as well, his lowest rushing total was week one where he had six yards against Miami, but that was also his highest scoring fantasy <laughs> game. <laughs> oh, that shit makes sense. Uh, my fantasy MVP, I, I mean, obviously Lamar was the guy who I, I actively chose against Lamar to offer a different opinion. So really Lamar is the fantasy MVP for the week. I'm going to give it to Patrick Mahomes who owners of Patty Mahomes, you had him sitting on your bench while he was injured. He came in and against a, a pretty good Titans defense, basically picked up where he left off threw for three touchdowns, looked all Patrick Mahomesian. He did a little jump pass that had ESPN all f- poop in their pants with excitement and all that jazz. Um, so I'm going to give it to him, you know, that the ga- the loss was not on him because the Chiefs defense has reminded us that they can't stop the run with the damn. And he has returned to all of those lineups who needed him and performed admirably. Yeah, you know what? He was on the other team in that uh, league that I lost to, <laughs> in which I saw Lamar Jackson. So, you know what? That's a very, One MVP uh, losing to another MVP. You accept that. I'm you understand that. solid on that. Yeah, I, I'm willing to accept that one. <laughs> So there you go. Those are our MVPs for Week 10. Uh, let's get on to Week 10 tidbits. And we'll start off looking at Cleveland's backfield because it was the first game that we saw Kareem Hunt back in action. And he had, if you look at the look at the look how the kind of carries and touches panned out, he had exactly half the touches Chubb did. Uh, Chubb finished with 22 t- touches. Kareem Hunt finished with 11 this worked against a Bills defense that has been struggling to stop the run for a better part of this season. But what I'm worried about, Jordan, and as a Chubb owner, you have to talk me off this cliff. I'm worried about this. If they're going to truly split carries or split touches for the rest of the season, if it's a low-touch game, I don't want Hunt to be kind of coming in and taking half of Chubb's touches and carries especially in an offense that I really don't trust to do the right thing because Freddie Kitchens is yet to show me that they can do the right thing in in making this offense go and offense run tell me that I don't have to worry Jordan as a chub owner tell me that Kareem Hunt this was just a blip on the radar or or just a fluke occurrence and that really it's still Chubb's backfield and we don't have to worry about Hunt cutting into too much of Chubb's workload 
Um, you know what? If you're looking for me to be that uh, that person to kind of ease your concerns, it's not going to be, and it's not for any. This I mean, is why. This is why we never have it just the two of us on the podcast, Jordan. <laughs> you don't support <laughs> me when I need to be supported. <laughs> it's mostly because Nick Chubb was not being used, or is still not being used enough, even when Cream Hunt wasn't involved. Like this whole. Uh, who was it? Dontrell Hilliard at like randomly Freddy getting Kitchen touches and just God damn it. Definitively saying, yeah, he is my, he is our third down running back telegraphing to the other team. We talked about this on a different yeah. pod. It's, it's, I, I cannot in good faith say that Nick Chubb will still be as effective as he was earlier this season because they brought in cream hunts. They think he can be a weapon and you know, Personal stuff aside with what happened with him, he was one of the best running backs in the game when he was in Kansas City. So I feel like if he still has a little bit of that left, they actually would be a little bit foolish not to use him. They should use him at least over Dontrell Hilliard. But I I can see Cleveland thinking that they just need to do a three-man running back crew when they don't have the offense for it, which is just like a very – soup kitchens thing to do right now it's so ridiculous to be like hey we're going to be this three-headed rushing attack when we have jarvis landry and odell beckham as our wide receivers it's this whole offense i mean this whole offense is just yeah part of me wants to sell my chub shares just so that i don't have to deal with this offense but he's been so good this year and he's been so reliable for the most part and I and I just have a hard time, you know, parting with that, just given how good he's been. I mean, if he's been what, let's let's quickly bring up some he's been the RB six in both standard and PPR. And so you're loving that production. And and you will have some games. Like they play Miami still, they play Cincinnati. They play Cincinnati twice, actually. Like those are games where you could see what we saw with the Bills, where you know, there's enough of a workload for Chubb to still get his and Kareem Hunt to get his as well. But there are some matchups. I mean, Pittsburgh's defense has been playing lights out recently. And Baltimore's defense has been playing really good. And those are games towards the end of the season where, you know, if you're relying on Nick Chubb to give you solid performances in the fantasy playoffs, and then there's a game where he kind of gets road, you know, roaded, roaded, road stopped, road killed. What am I trying to Blocked? We'll go Railroaded. Railroaded. (laughs) I had, I had the second part, but not the first part. He gets railroaded, and suddenly Kareem Hunt comes in and gets a lot of touch. Like, I don't know. I, I don't I, I don't like the fact that he's being introduced and being introduced with, at like, a, a, a serious load from the get-go. That worries me. And so I, I'll be interested to see how Week 11 plays out against the Steelers because if, it, if you, again, see that 50-50 split that you, or, the, you know, the whatever, 25-75, I don't, that, that's going to worry me for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's kind of a schedule makers. Hello, they have Pittsburgh twice in three weeks. I can't, um, I don't trust this coaching staff to be able like if they lay a clunker next week against Pittsburgh, I don't trust them to be able to turn around in two weeks and be able to God, no. fix certain things that went wrong. So if, if P- Pittsburgh is a dud for that offense, I can anticipate it being a dud the second time around because that time it will be in Pittsburgh right. itself. Um, one thing that you know might be a little bit of a silver lining is that uh, Cleveland can get a little bit cold, can get a lot of snow. Um, 
So maybe some weather will keep it to a ground and pound game, especially in some of these brutal AFC North matchups. Um, but speaking of like the Browns offense, did you see how many targets that Odell Beckham Jr. had? It's asinine. Tell me, tell me how many compared he had. to catches. Tell me he had five catches. Oh my God. Which, you know, five sure. catches. Sure. We like that. 12 targets. Odell. They were literally like, somebody playing Madden trying to boost up their wide receiver stats at the oh, end of a game. No. They just could not like organically get him a good enough targets. Cause 12 targets. You're like, hell yeah, that's exactly what you want in right. the offense, but it's not a schemed 12 targets. It's, it's like, just... Hey, we have Odell Beckham jr. Just throw the ball at him, And it's, that's not how it works against NFL football teams. No, no. I I hope that Odell is willing to stay patient for one more year. Get Freddie Soup Kitchens out of there. Put an actual – promote Todd Monken, who had a fantastic offense in Tampa Bay last year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Remember that when Ryan Fitzpatrick was lighting up the league? Like, why not just bring that offense here to Cleveland and then – start scheming Odell to get open and get the ball regularly. And like, I, cause I think there's potential. I think Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback with Jarvis Landry. That's a great pairing. It's a one, two punch at wide receiver. And obviously uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt in that backfield is fantastic. It's just the play calling has been absolutely atrocious. Oh my God. Don't even get us started again. Someone, I'm not sure if it was a Browns beats writer or something like that, but they retweeted, an article from earlier in the season might've been in the off season with like comments from Bob Wiley, uh, their, uh, hard knocks favorite who, uh, you know, had the big old gut, great mustache. Uh, um, they were, they were talking about how some of the comments in there in hindsight were maybe a little bit more accurate than we gave them credit for at the time, you know, kind of were written off at the time. It's like just a, assistant coach who got fired and was just a little bit salty about that. But the things that he said about, you know, who was actually turning, I forget who it was specifically who was making like the real turnaround for the offense. And he basically said though, it wasn't Fred yeah. Kitchens doing, yeah. which we're seeing we, that. Admittedly, we all thought it was, I remember being on the pod last season and we, yeah. once Freddie Kitchens took over, we were like, Oh yeah, Freddie Kitchens. Let's like, do this. let's go. We were really excited, but Time to cook. maybe not so much. Yeah. Maybe not. Uh, one offense that has not been letting us down in recent weeks has been the Cardinals offense who went into Tampa Bay and absolutely lit it up. Murray had 324 yards and three touchdowns, which all of them went to Christian Kirk. Uh, who had a monster breakout game and was in all of my DFS lineup. So pat on my back, but you also had Larry Fitzgerald had 71 yards on eight catches and Andy Isabella has now had two games back to back where he's been a factor with 78 yards on three catches. Is this passing game here to stay Jordan? Are you, are you starting to buy into the Cardinals passing attack as like, okay, these are now consistent viable fantasy producers that I should be, either having on my roster or consistently starting in the, in the eyes of like Christian Kirk or Larry Fitzgerald who are likely not available on your waivers. Oh, absolutely. Right now, Andy Isabella might be a little bit of a boomer bust guy, but I think as they see his big playability, because he can literally just turn a 10 yard pass into 80 very quickly. Um, did you see that catch, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, where he like tipped it back to him? That was on the a filthy grab. 
Larry Fitzgerald, the Ageless Wonder podcast favorite. Podcast favorite. Um, it's incredible. But there's, I mean, it's it's easy when we're talking about rookies to be like, oh, Josh Jacobs, like watch watch what he's doing in Oakland in recent weeks, or uh, Nick Bosa, who has just been a terror uh, to opposing offensive lines. It's kind of easy to miss. Kyler Murray in Arizona. Arizona, not really like a large fan base. Nobody expected them to be like this good, let alone uh, kind of in it in the division. Like mm-hmm. because the Chiefs fell to six and four, the Raiders are at five and four. Like, the, yeah, the Arizona Cardinals are kind of. Oh wait, no, that's not. No, that's that's the AFC West. <laughs> I'm mixing up. I'm mixing up. If if the Niners weren't like undefeated right now, or eight and one or whatever the heck they are, then we would t- probably be talking about the Cardinals a little bit more. Uh, pretty impressive stuff. I, I like the uh, Cardinals passing game and who knew Cliff Kingsbury probably. Okay. Good at his job. Who to thunk, who to thunk that a team did their research and got him into, you know, hired the right person. Yeah, no, I am. I am fully back on board with the Cardinals offense. There was certainly lulls and it's taken a little bit of time for, for Kyler Murray to kind of blossom into the, or this offense to really kind of take form and take shape. And he's had some bad games. He's had, you know, two single digit games back in week seven and week eight, but then followed that up with a 27 pointer against San Francisco, which was all, you know, everyone was surprised by that on Thursday night. And then again, a 30 pointer against Tampa Bay and they got San Francisco again. Talk about your, uh, your two games by against the same team in three weeks. Uh, Schedule makers, what you doing? But I like, yeah, I like this. I like this Arizona Cardinals offense. And I think if you can buy into this receiving, I think Andy Isabella is a guy who we might see have a little bit more of a role as we go forward because he's just become more and more a part of that offense. Um, and then obviously Christian Kirk has been a monster. And if you have him, pat, pat on your back because he, uh, it's been a while since he scored a touchdown, but it, it, that, that, uh, those floodgates broke for you very nicely this week. Yeah, Kyler Murray, um, he is a player that next year, you know, because when you watch Kyler Murray, he kind of does some similar things to Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's quite as fast or agile, but he is quick um, and he does do a good job of making people miss in the open field. So if, you know, he gets a tighter grasp on the offense or just playing in the NFL writ large that can go a long way between year one and year two for uh, NFL quarterbacks we could start to see a little bit more uh, of uh, like plays designed for him to take off mm. or to move around which would be fantasy gold next season so that would be saucy be very uh, aware of that also OJ Howard caught a touchdown so thanks OJ the juice is loose the ju- <laughs> <God damn it. laughs> um, also in Tilge Boots uh, LaShawn McCoy, this Chiefs backfield has a yet again another shakeup. LaShawn McCoy was a surprise health scratch right before the Chiefs Titans game. Maybe they could have used him and uh, won that game. But it led to Damian Williams having 14 touches uh, for 106, 109 total yards. Andy Reid said it was, quote, maintenance since, quote, McCoy is not getting any younger. Shots crossed the bow on that one. But now it's been two, two big games in a row for Williams and. We've been having a lot of questions about this Chiefs backfield for basically the entire season as to what name you can reliably trust in fantasy. And it seems like the pendulum has swung back around to Damian Williams because of the fact that he's been producing with the carries that he's gotten in recent weeks. And just because it seems like LaShawn McCoy might be uh, fading towards the end of this season. 
Yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Chiefs offense and we get into players you should drop. But I think it's pretty goofy that Andy Reid wants to talk about uh, benching players for maintenance reasons when he probably should have given Patrick Mahomes a week off against the Broncos when he got really injured. Um, yeah, I can't, I still can't believe they kind of lost that game, though. Like 50 <laughs> passing attempts by Mahomes. And right. You lose to the Tennessee Titans. What are the Tennessee Titans? No one fucking I don't knows. know. The Tennessee I Titans. You never know. It's just like Tennessee Titans are perfectly embodied. Derrick Henry is the perfect player for the Tennessee Titans because they you swim- you never know what this team is going to be, and you never know what Derrick Henry is going to be. They like switch to t- Ryan Tannehill from Marcus Mariota, and now they're just like, oh yeah, we uh in the AFC South now. Oh, like we're we're like it. a good football team. Who'd have thunk? Which I guess is like it's, a real damnation on a Marcus Mariota. Hey. Well, I still have faith. Get him on an offense that actually knows what they're doing with him. That's all I say. Get him to the Bears. God damn it, I want him on the Bears so badly. I don't think that... Uh, we already talked about this. Yeah, I still I don't think the Bears would be able to use him right. But anyway. Oh, who knows? Uh, all right, some quick injury news. Uh, Saquon Barkley was banged up, according to Pat Shermer but they've been uh, pretty hush-hush about it. So I can't report as to whether or not it's serious. So, But something to monitor throughout the week because obviously it's Saquon Barkley. Dude's pretty tough, so I guess unless it's like a shattered leg, he'll probably still play. But big news injury-wise for the Falcons as Devonta Freeman left the Saints game with a foot injury, which ushered in the Brian Hill age where he rushed for 61 yards on 21 carries and had a receiving touchdown against a tough run defense. And he's available on waivers. And my dear friends, his next game is against the Carolina Panthers, which Jordan can attest to. Uh, you can run the football on them. Can you not, Jordan? Uh, you can run it a little bit on the <laughs> Carolina Panthers. I'm looking at their um, their schedule, too. And it's hilarious that the um, Atlanta Falcons got their first divisional that was their first divisional game. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was their it was. first divisional game of the season. And you kind of just feel like the Falcons are not going to like lay down against divisional opponents. So they play um, four straight divisional games over the next month. And then, I mean, you will probably not be playing in week 17. But in case you are, they play another divisional game against Tampa in that time frame. Who which makes is these schedules? Come on, people. I mean, it's fun, but, like, that is ridiculous. Like, that's basically, if the Falcons were were actually in the season, then it's just basically, the, like, it's just, like, four games back-to-back. You lose any of them, you're screwed. If they were good, like, and Carolina was, you know, just a, a pace better, and, like, New Orleans was uh, firing on all cylinders, that would be the funnest division to watch. That because, be you dope. know, Tampa Bay, I mean... I'm a Tampa Bay fan, apparently. <laughs> you know that they would just like throw a monkey wrench into the division oh, of yeah. too and just rock shit up. But man, Atlanta Atlanta and done this season is a big bummer. It is a big bummer. I'm gonna be curious to see where the direction of that team goes because because this is this is and I and I will I will uh, reference Mark Sessler of the Around the NFL podcast because I feel like this is a good sentiment that everyone always everyone's always like, oh fire the coach, get a new head coach. And it's like, who realistically out there is going to be better than Dan Quinn? Like, I think Dan Quinn obviously has his flaws and, and all of that jazz. You should have never let Kyle Shanahan get out the door. I mean, that's really where you made your mistake. But 
like who likely available, what coaching prospect likely available is going to be better than Dan Quinn that you're going to be able to get your hands on. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Chip Kelly comes back. Let's bring Chip Kelly back. (laughs) Yeah. Like the problem with Dan Quinn is that he's a defensive minded coach and he's like never had a good Atlanta defense, but it's almost like I can attest to this as a Packers fan, the whole Mike McCarthy conundrum where it's like, yeah, we should, fire Mark McCarthy, replace him with somebody else. But then you're like, but what if that other person is worse somehow? Like, <laughs> right. And Dan Quinn has had some like playoff runs. He's had some appearances. He made it to the Super Bowl. It. Exactly. He's been making it difficult for me as a Packers fan in the playoffs for a couple <laughs> seasons. Yeah. And it's, it's hard, you know, you have to look at it from, from both angles there. Yeah. Uh, also Falcons, Austin Hooper had a knee injury is getting an MRI. And I think I just saw a notification before we jumped onto the pod that that is a sprained MCL. So we'll see, uh, how long that'll keep him out of, uh, out of play and off the field. Luke Stocker is their backup tight end in case you guys want to go stream him, but really you should be streaming Rudolph, the red nosed reindeer, Kyle Rudolph, who had two touchdowns against the Cowboys. It's Christmas season, which means Kyle Rudolph suddenly emerges to score touchdowns for your fantasy team. Yeah, it's tough because Austin Hooper has been sneakily the tight end one this season. So if you yeah. lost him, my my condolences. Yeah, there's you're hard hard to recover uh, entirely from that. Anywho's, well, there you go. Those were week ten And before we go on to players who you should give up on slash, they're not going to be breaking out, so don't count on it. Uh, let's take a quick ad break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, we are back. Initially, I proposed this to Jordan. I was like, hey, why don't we talk players that uh, you should, you can cut safely, you know, because it's end of the year or, or it's getting to the fantasy playoffs. And during that time, you want to make sure you can get the right players on your team and you want to make waiver wire moves. But it's always tough. You know, if you're going to add a player, you got to remove a player. So it's good to know what players you can comfortably get rid of. And Jordan was like, nah. Let's spice it up. These are players to stop waiting for that breakout. It's not coming. Move on from them. Forget about it. They're players you're maybe holding on to, hoping they'll eventually do something for your fantasy team. But we are here to tell you that that simply is no longer the case. So, Jordan, why don't you start us off with a player that you can comfortably drop from your team? Because guess what? All those expectations you had for them, they're not coming true. Yeah, I will add too that the genesis for my thinking here was uh, from like an earlier pod that we did this season about um, players that we're just too attached to, players that we just can't quit. We are here to 
give you a little bit of a fantasy nicotine patch. It's time to quit these players early and not let them sit on the bottom of your bench waiting for like a Tajay Sharp to start getting uh, the points that he so deserves. Not Tajay Sharp. Taewon Taylor. That's Taewon the one. Taylor. There you go. I was going to be like, whoo, Tajay Sharp, man. If you are holding on to Tajay Sharp, <laughs> we, we are not the podcast to help you. No, uh, Nick knows what I'm talking about here. Um, <laughs> So this one may not necessarily be a straight out cut, but if you haven't passed the trade deadline already, you need to go and find the Eagles fan in your fantasy league because there probably is one and dump Alshon Jeffrey on him. Um, He, even as he's been playing, he just hasn't seemed very healthy all season. Um, The chemistry with him and Carson Wentz just feels a little bit wonky. Um, his catch percentage this season is 61.8% on 55 targets. So he's getting about six per game. Um, but they're just not falling. Like he's just not connecting. He's not doing anything with those targets. Um, Philly ranks 20th in offensive DVOA through nine games. And they have the 27th most difficult schedule remaining for fantasy wide receivers, including a matchup where Jeffrey could very well lay a goose egg against the New England Patriots this this coming week. So Alshon Jeffrey, this could be a good time to to sell on him and, you know, hopefully get a a new flex player or somebody else um, to help you make a, a playoff run. Yeah, he's a perfect name for this list because I'm looking at his stats. I mean, he hasn't the most yards he's put up this season is 76. Like that's, that's it. And he's had, he's never had multiple touchdowns in a game. You know, he, he had 17 standard points back in week one, and that's been the highlight of his season. And he's just, I mean, Mm -hmm. you said it, it's not only that he's out of sync. It looks like with Carson Wentz, he just looks old. Like he looks like he's lost a step. You know, he, he no longer looks like he can really take the stretch the field. Not that he was a speed guy, but that he was like a contested catch back shoulder guy down the field. And that just hasn't been there this year. And I think the, there was a huge loss that Deshaun Jackson's been out for that offense. But Alshon Jeffrey really hasn't emerged as really anything since his time with the Bears, unfortunately. Um, so I think he's a great name where he's like, he's been sitting on your team because you're like, ah, God, if I got rid of him and he suddenly like pieced it together, that would be terrible. But he is a name that, yeah, if you can trade him, trade him. If not, I would honestly think about dropping him just straight up. Yeah, he might be just one of those players where injuries have just taken the toll. It's not like he's, I mean, didn't he have an ACL there at one point? But he also just so. has, he also just seems to consistently have like a Bang nagging and, yeah. injury. And he, I, he might be playing through that sort of thing right now, but that's not something that you want this home stretch. No. no. Um, if you are like, if you do still have the ability to trade in your fantasy leagues, the first guy I'm going to talk about is a guy you 100% should trade because dropping him is maybe a bit extreme. But Todd Gurley, for those who drafted him thinking that you were buying low on him and he'd be the same MVP, you know, workhorse back we saw last year, or at the very least, like maybe a step below that, you know, better than what most people expected it's time to sell on that notion. He hasn't gone over a hundred total yards since week one this year, which is something he did nine times last year in 14 games. And we all knew this off season that it was going to be a reduced role for Todd Gurley and that, that, that the offense was worried about him, but he's just become an absolute non-factor in the passing game and is, has the sixth hardest schedule rest of the season for running backs. This is what absolutely blows my mind and also has completely like 
made me go cold on Todd Gurley and any hope that Todd Gurley suddenly becomes a viable part of your fantasy team and suddenly puts up fantasy production for you. He didn't touch the ball in the fourth quarter against the Steelers. Like the, the Rams were needing to get that offense going to beat the Steelers. It was, it wasn't like a blowout. They were down by less, a, a touchdown would have won them the game. And Todd Gurley didn't see the football. Like, and, and then he was, you know, it asked that question after the game. And he was like, yeah, you know, I, I expect that I've come to expect it or something around those lines. It's like Todd Gurley is checked out. He is not a part of this offense. He is not going to suddenly magically become a part of this offense. If I own him, if I, if he was on my team, I would have traded him yesterday. He needs to be off your fantasy roster because he's just not going to do anything this year. Yeah. I think the Rams, I, I, I feel like the only thing that could really bounce him back into relevance is if the, Rams just do a 180 here and they're like, okay, we are struggling. We're on the brink of just not even getting a wild card spot. We need to just go back to what made us good last year or like getting the ball in the hands of the people who were like, I don't think Cooper Cup had a catch yet. He didn't have a catch, which is crazy. Which is my fancy team did not like that. (laughs) Um, The idea that Todd Gurley, especially in a game that was relatively close the entire way through. (laughs) I mean, the final score was 12 to 17. Um, He was still pretty efficient on the ground, 12 carries for 73 yards. And he could have easily cleared a hundred if you made it a point of emphasis in the fourth to get him the ball, at least a hundred. Just do something. Yeah. But it's, it's gotta be maddening if you're a Todd Gurley owner and you get, three quarters of really good football and you're like just just like a nice carry find the end zone that'll put this day like just in great territory for me but the offense is just sputtering and jared goff looks like i don't know he looks like he's better than his backup blake bortles oh god that's that's tough. That is tough to say. Yeah, and and again, like we said, like I said, the schedule doesn't get better for him. It's not like he suddenly walks into a, a cakewalk. It's he's got it's the sixth hardest. He's got to play the Ravens, the Seahawks, uh, the 49ers, and let me check where the Cardinals are. The Cardinals are league average ish. Like there's and then there's a bunch of league average guys too. Uh, you, the the Bears and the Cowboys have become favorable matchup for running backs. And and he plays both of those guys still. So, but I don't want to continuously try to have him in my, like be debating every week. It's like, do I start him? Do I not start him? Do I start him? Not start him. And then waste or starting spot for him when ultimate on average, he's not going to give you the production that he wants. And I think he still has the name value. And I think that he still has the hope associated with him because it's, you know, it's not like there's two weeks left in the NFL season. There's still, you know, six, seven weeks left. And so people are still kind of like, okay, things can turn around. And like you said, there is a, there's a narrative that you can tell yourself that Todd Gurley is going to get back on track. And I think you can sell someone in your league on that and hopefully get, you know, the player won't be as good or won't have as high a high, but you could get a consistent guy like DJ Moore. I would trade Todd Gurley for DJ Moore in a heartbeat. No questions asked. Yeah. And, I'm really glad we started with these two to begin this conversation with Alshon Jeffrey and with Todd Gurley. There are probably a few other names out there, but you're basically thinking like, you know what? I have to put them in my lineup. Like they're Alshon right. Jeffrey right. and Todd Gurley. Like these are players who like 
you start to think who wouldn't put them in their lineup or like everybody would say that you need to put them in your lineup somewhere, but that's basically playing not to lose rather than playing to win at this point. Right. Uh, who's another guy that you think it's safe to cut ties with? Um, so if you're and this hurts my feelings a little bit, if you're waiting <laughs> for the uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling breakout to occur, it's just not going to happen this season. Um, he was a pretty popular breakout candidate, largely because he had, it felt like he just solidified himself as the number two wide receivers uh, with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. And he had a pretty decent rookie season that nobody really um, expected. Um, but he's just been slow to make a true difference in the passing game. He didn't uh, grab the reins when Devontae Adams went down. Instead, it just felt like the Packers considered their two running backs to be the better pass catchers, uh, which definitely boosted their value. Um, so he's basically only been valuable when he's able to just catch one of those giant bombs. He scored 18 and 20 points in two different games this season, but they basically all came on one Hail Mary catch and, you know, two games out of what, nine, 10 now that's, that's not something that you can um, bank on. Um, it's going to get colder in green Bay yesterday. If you watch the Packers and Carolina Panthers game, it was uh, flurrying a little bit, which makes things a More little bit little difficult. Bit. Snow football yeah. is back. <laughs> and I just think, you know, with, with him, um, failing to capitalize and the emergence of uh, Alan Lazard. Uh, you can see his breakout over the last five games. Um, his targets were four, five, five, four, and six targets compared to MVS, who had two, three, two, two, one. Yeah. So if you're, if you're still waiting, if he's on your bench like he was be- on mine before this week, just you're okay with cutting ties. I don't think you're going to get much for him in a trade. Yeah, no, he's in one of my leagues and I've been basically, basically every time he's had a good game, he's been on my bench and every time, every other time he's been starting for me. And so, yeah, I am a hundred percent. I, I agree with you. I am going to drop him. In fact, I just dropped him while you were talking because you convinced me so much and breaking news. Breaking, breaking news. Marcus Valdez-Scantling, no longer on my fantasy team. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's just, it's one of those players where you keep hoping that something will come. And it's because he, he's such like an enticing player because anytime, anytime he does anything, the commentators, they're always like, oh, Valdez-Scantling, he's 6'3 and runs a 4'3. And you're like, oh God, yes. Like with Aaron Rodgers, that's exactly what I want. So like this guy's going to eat. And it just hasn't come to fruition. And so it's time to just give up and not expect it to ever it's truly solidify into the fantasy star that we thought he could be. Yeah, he's probably been, if you're like me, a, a disappointment in that you thought that he could be just a guy that could slot in when you need a, a bi-week replacement for a receiver, somebody who could just come in and you know put up 10 points, but barely been able to do that on most weeks. It's hard to tell when he will. Yeah, not good there. Um Another wide receiver who's been on my bench for a long, long time. Uh, actually, he was in my IR slot and now has been activated to my bench. And I think that he is also probably going to get cut. More breaking news during this podcast. 
I don't think AJ Green is going to give you anything this year. I really was holding on to him, hoping beyond hope that he could get healthy a little bit earlier than currently now, uh, but that he could get healthy, that he could remind us all that AJ Green is a top five wide receiver, or at least he used to be when he was healthy, and that with Andy Dalton, and that that connection is still very viable. But now the Bengals have completely turned on the tank, and it is now Ryan Finley throwing the football, who was eh against the Ravens and AJ green got another setback on his ankle. And so I don't think that he's really going to be healthy at all this season. And if I were him, I would just sit out this year. I wouldn't play like, why would you risk your health and earning potential on a season? That's entirely lost for, for Cincinnati and for the Bengals and for your fantasy team. If he's still on there, it's time to just drop him and just, and just move on and accept the fact that you were smart in the, uh, in the, higher level of thinking that yes man i'm just going to keep him on my roster i can save a roster spot because if he comes back i suddenly get myself a a wide receiver one in during the fantasy playoffs but that has not come true and it's time to just accept and move on yeah it's really kind of disappointing you hope that aj green just by taking the year off and reducing his uh the amount of hits that he's taken that he'll just be able to uh still come back and produce for a couple more years because i really I love AJ Green. I, I love him so much. One of the better players in the league that just because he was in Cincinnati just never really got his due. Um, and he'll forever yeah, think- he'll forever be like the the Calvin Johnson where it's like didn't say anything, like let his play do the talking. Julio Jones is also like this, but like Calvin Johnson was like it's permanent will permanently be associated with just bad teams. And you're like, man, just imagine what this player could have done, could have been if they were on like a team that was an offense that was potent and powerful and good and the whole nine yards him especially Calvin Johnson had had Matt Stafford towards the end of things to at least you know boost his boost his stats and show us like exactly how dominant he could be but AJ Green a career of Andy Dalton is tough (laughs) yeah if he had been healthy this season just based on um his history and just kind of the player he is I wouldn't I would thought 100% he would have been in the right and would not have faulted him for forcing his way out of Cincinnati if totally. he felt that was the right move I, I I can't think of anybody who would be like Cincinnati just treated you well or you you know got something going right. in Cincinnati you right should stay even Bengals like, fans would be like no no man we understand we respect it go on <laughs> they'd be like you know what yeah you, you're right you should leave <laughs> Who's the final guy for you who uh, who you think is safe to cut? Um, final guy, uh, this one is another wide receiver in the boomer bust category in the vein of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, and who was earlier in the season kind of a hot waiver wire ad. Like pro- People probably blew a lot of fab money picking this guy up. I'm sorry, but he is not worth the fab amount anymore. Uh, it was a good rental. Demarcus Robinson, a wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. I know it feels like with Patrick Mahomes and that offense and you feel like any one of them is a viable option, but I still think that when um, Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, when they're all on the field, that's where they want to go. It's not like a a free-for-all, everybody-eats type of situation. They're still very much in the vein of like, yeah, we just got to get the ball in our best playmaker's hands. 
Granted, they somebody could get hurt, somebody could get injured again, but I think you're, you know, you're holding on for hope that somebody gets injured, which isn't a very good look, first of all, and second of all, that there's a small chance that that happens anyway. Um, and even when even when they were dealing with all of those injuries, it wasn't like he was the clear cut number one guy. Like Sammy Watkins was still leading the team in targets. And then you still have Travis Kelsey to deal with. And they do like to include their running backs in the passing game. And so, yeah, he had like two really big games. And this is why I was like hesitant to go crazy for him because of the fact that I just, I, this, this chief's offense has been so much outside of Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey. It's kind of like you throw to the open person, which is great, really hard to stop in an actual football game, but only let's see only once in this season has he received over six targets you know and and he's only seen six targets twice and then everything else has been under that so it's not it's like during all of these stretches where the Chiefs had banged up wide receivers he was like seeing regularly double digit or even like eight targets a game it's always been like five three to five targets and that's not something that's reliable when you're the fourth string wide receiver and you're hoping that you know maybe uh maybe Tyreek Hill gets banged up again or Travis Kelsey goes, you know, whatever you're hoping for injury. Yeah. If you're looking like at Demarcus Robinson's average PPR points per game, uh, you see it's at uh, 6.9. You're like, nice. Maybe he will exceed that total in this game. You know, maybe he will raise that floor or, and exceed it. But really over the past eight games, that fantasy points per game is 3.1 because he just had a monstrous, I believe, like week two or week three when he got like 32 points. Yeah, week two so that's Oakland. Been, you cannot extrapolate that over the course of the season to determine his actual value here. So, yeah, not worth the roster spot anymore, fellas. I'm sorry. Yep, 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 yep. I completely agree. And another wide receiver, we'll wrap it up with another wide receiver. Uh, one who is on 47% of Yahoo leagues. And I think it is just time to, if you have him on your team, it's time to just move on. And that's Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard, I know, has shown us in last year and in years past and a little bit this year that he is still a very viable wide receiver for the Giants. But the guy just can't stay healthy. And at a certain point, he's he's reaching that, like, Brandon Cook's level of concussion worry where he gets one more like he's got to seriously consider not playing anymore. He's been out for let's see one, two, three, four, five, six weeks. Um, and they got a week eleven bye. I don't know. I think that I think forty seven percent is a high percentage for someone who hasn't played since week like five and and is not even really a, a lock to play again this season. Yeah, it that sort of thing is just kind of hard to determine. You know, you, you see players with like a, a sprained ankle or they have a hamstring strain and you can kind of estimate like, Oh, I can, I can still hold yeah. on to them. They'll come back for me. But like with concussion stuff and uh, things of that nature, it's hard to really truly determine. Like we might have another Percy Harvin situation on our hands. Um, and it kind of, Sort of looks like Golden Tate might be the guy. And um, Darius Slayton, baby. Not to spoil some waiver wire ads, but. Darius Slayton, I I would like to pat myself on the back for to keep an eye on him a couple weeks ago. But yeah, it just, I don't know. Sterling Shepard is a tough, tough play at this point because you never know what you're, if he's actually going to see the field. He's already had two concussions this year. And I have a feeling that a third 
is not far down the line if he plays and would then put him out for the rest of the year. And so it's just, it's again, it's a situation where there are wide receivers out there on the waiver wire who you can probably still get uh, who are a playing and B have given continuous production up until this point. And I just don't know if Sterling Shepard is, uh, is worth holding on to at this point in time when you're trying to make a fantasy playoff push. Agreed. Agreed. But now that we've told you to cut all of these people or to get them off your roster, who could you possibly replace them with? Jordan, what is uh, some top names on the waiver wire for you this week? Um, I, I think we might have talked about this guy before. Um, so sorry if we're repeating ourselves. but That just means uh, you got to go get them. If they show yeah, up multiple is, times on the pod, you got to get them. Exactly. It's just confirmation bias at this point. Um, start taking a look at Cole Beasley for somebody who has a right now is kind of producing with a consistently um, decent floor. Um, over the past month, he's had games uh, in between 11.6 is the high for his uh, half point PPR total and 8.3 is the low. Um, he's got a game against Miami next week. Um, he's got a game against Denver who hasn't looked that great. Um, New England is a, a tough one in week 16, but uh, you know what? If you if you need somebody over like week 11 and 12 when he plays Miami and Denver while people are still going out and mm-hmm. by, you might want to look at him for a flex spot. Yeah, and plus, even against the Patriots, he had a good game when they played back in week three or four, I think. Um, he's a slot he guy, and the Patriots aren't like that is if you're looking for a weakness in the secondary, that is one that you can take advantage of. Yeah, his um, so he has three touchdowns in the past month, um, so that's kind of ballooning his scores a little bit. But he is kind of like the red zone guy. Like if when Frank Gore can't yeah uh, fall across the goal line, it's <laughs> going towards Cole Beasley, who's uh, been the red zone guy for him. Yeah, uh, we already talked about Darius Slayton, but I got to make sure that we talk more about Darius Slayton because he it's time to take him seriously and it's time to get him on your roster. He's gone over 19 PPR points and has caught two touchdowns in two of his last three games. Obviously, that's probably not going to be consistent, uh, but he is still going to be a boomer bust guy, but has a chance to be a lot of booming uh, in the coming weeks. They play the Eagles twice, the Dolphins and Washington. Um, and so those are all secondaries that teams can take full advantage of. And Daniel Jones can sling it when he wants to. And he's looking Darius Slayton's way when he does. Yeah, in week five, I believe it was against Minnesota when he caught that touchdown like in the back of the end zone. Um, was it one of the first weeks that Danny Jones started? I, I can't remember, but it was, it was a, like a really good catch. And when I watched that highlight, I was like, who is that guy? And I realized Ooh, that's was a rookie. And I was like, you know what? This guy probably got a lot of good reps with Daniel Jones over the summer months. So. Yeah, uh, that report could start to build. Yeah, and you can, I mean, Daniel Jones came in week three against Tampa Bay, and that's exactly when Darius Slayton started doing things. So it's clearly that he he and Jones have a connection. Miami and Washington in weeks 15 and 16. Oh, it's Philly week 14, Miami week 15, Washington week 16, Philly week 17. That is a pretty nice stretch of games to uh, close your fantasy playoffs on. Very juicy just for the Giants overall in terms of fantasy value. Saquon, Golden Tate, Danny Dimes. 
lots juicy. of juice, lots of juice there. You could make lots of freshly squeezed orange juice from that. The juice is loose again. Oh, good. Uh, anyone else that you should be targeting off waivers? I don't know. You might want to, you know, hit that flag button to add Randall Cobb to the watch list. Uh, he's he's kind of always consistently been one of those guys who you should just cut bait with. But he does have six catches over the past two games. So, yeah, um, that that's something to to keep an eye on. Nice. I also have been talking myself into James Washington of the Steelers as basically being the now number one guy in uh, in Pittsburgh, which sounds ridiculous with Juju there. But the fact that he and Mason Rudolph both went to Oklahoma State together, you saw that on full display where Washington saw seven targets and caught six of them for 90 yards and a touchdown. It's now the second game that Washington has gone over 10 PPR points. Uh, and it, I just think that moving forward that he is he and Rudolph, just in the way that we talked about Slayton and Daniel Jones, that is a real thing, having a wide receiver quarterback connection and having trust with that. And it seems like something that, you know, he's Rudolph is still developing with Juju and Juju is still learning how to be that number one receiver and seeing all number one targets or number one corners and, and defenses playing, paying attention to you. I like James Washington having quietly a, a pretty productive rest of the season going forward. Yeah, I want to do a, a quick addendum. I misspoke, I believe, before I, I meant to say Randall Cobb has six catches in both of the past two games, so 12 overall. But I do like the James Washington pick. I was very disappointed in his rookie season and everything that he's done basically up until this point. But, um, yeah, Pittsburgh, you know, if they continue to keep it rolling, it feels like that defense might be sparking a little bit of something. And they might be pretty damn good. Yeah, they might be poised to go on a run because they have some vulnerable vulnerable teams coming up Cleveland twice Cincinnati um, and then the hardest one on their schedule looks like Buffalo in week 15 uh, they have Baltimore but that's in week 17 so yeah they, they could be looking to make a little bit of a wild card run which definitely increases James Washington's value yeah uh, also go get Darius guys because he's healthy and he's going to be playing guys guys baby mm. The goose is loose. There it is. Nailed it. Uh, awesome. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. Uh, follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. And follow Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. We will be back at you Thursday, hopefully with the whole cast of characters to give you week 11 starts and sits. But until then, peace.